Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Heading towards February and the college basketball season is rolling. Welcome back to the Screen the Screener Podcast where we talk all things NCAA basketball with you. For the first time, folks, we have three people. The three Musketeers are here. We are a solid triumvirate. Gus and I want to officially welcome Dr. Tony to the podcast. Dr. Tony, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's been a long time coming, and I'm happy to be here. Dr. Tony, you're officially welcome. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning to Dr. Tony and everybody else out there. We're so happy to have the doc with us. We hope the Screen the Screener podcast is getting in your earbuds at just the right time in just the right moment. We hope to aid in your commute to and fro work. We hope to aid in that weekend drag with this January weather where it's just not warm enough to spend a bunch of time outside, but you got to do some chores outside anyway. Plug us in. Let us help you get those chores done. We'd like to say ahoy out there to our ever-increasing audience. We're very thankful. We're humbled. We're honored that you're going to you know, give us some time during your week. We want to say ahoy out there at Hoover underscore 26. Hunter Gallo, keep doing your thing out there. Love that you're chiming in. And we want to say ahoy out there at College Hoops News. Tony is a great follow if you don't follow at College Hoops News. He gives you all sorts of nuggets and and, and goodies about the college game. So uh, thank you guys for chiming in. Uh, Thank you for uh, being part of our audience. Let's get this thing rolling with all three of us. Let's go. Yeah, this is fantastic, folks. And and, uh, Dr. Tony, Gus, and myself, best friends for life. Very excited to have Dr. Tony here. He is a doctor, an emergency room doctor. So obviously his schedule is very, very busy, but he's a huge Ivy League guy, graduate of the Ivy League, loves Ivy League basketball. He's thrilled to be here with us today. So I'm going to take you through all of the news, notes on Broadway. It's a great show. So, so here we go. I think we have to start, guys, with unfortunately some sad news. The major ACL tear to Maurice Watson Jr. Gus and Dr. Tony, I have been in mourning. This is my final four pick. Um, Newsflash, they're not making the final four now, okay? But unfortunately, Maurice Watson Jr., the the guy who makes the Creighton Blue Jays go, has tore his ACL. He is out for the season. What do you think, guys? I'm going to say terrible news right off the bat. You hate to see, especially a senior, go out like this. You want to see that senior be carried out. Uh, on the shoulders of their play of, of his teammates. You want to see that senior have his amazing moment on his home floor for senior day in uniform with sneakers on. The fact that he's not going to have that opportunity is probably the most heartbreaking, but I'm sure for the Creighton Blue Jay program, for the coaching staff, for, for Mo Watson Jr. himself, the makings of this season, like everything came together for them. They had Foster come in as a transfer. They had Patton develop way above schedule um, as a big huff, and, and the other role players are really following in. Man, it breaks it, it breaks your heart as a fan and, and as a former college athlete, you know, ourselves. Like it's it's the worst news ever. All right, and, and this is what we're going to take a look at. There's been a lot of speculation here, and it's very polarizing on how Creighton is going to be now for the rest of the season without Maurice Watson Jr. I'm going to give you a rundown. I want to hear you guys' reaction. So right now, Creighton is 18-1. and They are 5-1 and in conference. They're only lost tough one at home to Nova. Here are the games they have coming up. I'm going to read them to you. Marquette at Georgetown, DePaul at Butler, Xavier at DePaul, at Seton Hall, Georgetown, Providence, at Nova, St. John's, and at Marquette. Now, the reason I'm reading that to you is because I'll do a little Mike Randall projection here. My projection, if Watson was still here, is that they were going to go 11-1 and in those games. I'm giving them a loss at Nova. Now, listen, if you want to say they would have lost another game somewhere, maybe at Butler, um, you know, at Seton Hall, I mean, fine, no problem. But I think, guys, we're looking at a floor, if Watson was healthy, of 28-3. and I have them at 29-2. and you know as well as I do, that's top three seed in the NCAA tournament, providing they had any sort of, of normal Big East tournament in Madison Square Garden at the end. Fine. This is my prediction. Tell me what you think. I have them winning against Marquette coming up. I think it's a let's go game. I think the LG squad's going to be out, fired up. We can win. We're home. No Watson. Fine. I think they squeak by Marquette. However, after that, this is how I go. Loss at Georgetown. Win at home against DePaul. Loss at Butler. Loss at home to Xavier. Miles Davis should be ready to go. 
I'll give them a loss at DePaul. They're tricky. They played Villanova tough. I'll give them a loss there. I give them a loss at Seton Hall. I will have them winning, splitting at home against Georgetown. I'll give them a win at home against Providence. I will still give them a loss at Nova. I'm going to give them a loss against a scrappy Chris Mullen St. John's team at home, as well as a loss at Marquette. That gets them, folks, to 9-9 nine and nine for the rest of the year. So that gives them a 4-8 and eight record, which means they're 22-10 and 10 going into the Big East tournament. Maybe you guys will argue that one of the other games they could have won, but I don't know if they necessarily beat Georgetown at home. I don't know if they necessarily beat DePaul at home. I think this is a massive, massive loss for Creighton. I think it changes their season. Give me your thoughts. I'll, I'll jump in first, Doc. I think the ceiling has definitely lowered, but I also think the floor has completely lowered too. I think your 500 prediction is kind of in the right neighborhood. Um, I think after after figuring out what to do and, 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 and assigning players different roles to fill in this, you know, we, we can't, you can't fill in this absence. Maybe they get the ship righted a bit, but I think 500 might be what we're looking at. Dr. Tony, I have a, more, a couple more things to think on the, uh, to, you know, talk about this, but I don't know if it's going to get much better than that. And I think it's okay for us to assume that as fans and as, you know, Big East followers. Yeah, I, I, what, what frustrates me here really quick is they, there's a report now that, that, that Greg McDermott is talking about like a point guard by committee and that he has to change the way they play. Listen, people, this is not good. This is not good news. If you have a point guard from committee, you don't have a point guard. It's like the old adage, you have, if I have two NFL quarterbacks, I have no starting quarterback, right? Same thing in the NFL. He's changing the way they play. This is a disaster. It is just a shame because this team was ready to go. But Watson does. Remember I said, Gus, last time on the podcast, 19-9, they're beating Villanova. Watson goes out. He comes back in. They're down 32-29. It yep. changes the way they are. So I don't know. Dr. Tony, are we crazy? I think Creighton is in a lot of trouble. I think they're in a lot of trouble. I think clearly that the nexus of their universe is that back-to-back with Butler and Xavier. I think they can squeak by Marquette. I think they I think they can get by Georgetown on the road. DePaul's I'm, I'm going to give them a win there like you did. But the Butler and Xavier are the test. Whatever they decide to do, they need to have that decision made by that that crux of games. That's a great point. That's a great point. And my issue with Georgetown by the way why I gave them a loss is they should have lost to Butler. I mean, they, they should have beat Butler. Butler squeaked by that game last minute. They won by double digits in overtime, I think. But Georgetown had that game won. There was a fishy line, Gus. I think you talked about it. it was something like Butler by two or something like Definitely. that. Definitely. Yep. Um, but that's a great point. So they go Marquette at Georgetown, DePaul, and then at Butler at Xavier is their key point. Go ahead. I think whatever happens, they're either going to figure it out and figure it out and, and be stronger for the tournament. Not not as strong as they would be with Watson, obviously. But but they'll, they'll be strong enough to, to do some damage in the tournament if they figure out the, whatever system they're going to play. Or, like you said, they end up 22-10, and 10. they're a 9 seed, an 8 seed, something, and they become a tough out in the tournament. Uh, they're they're going to give somebody problems either way. So do you guys want to play Fortune Teller a little bit? I love playing Fortune Teller. Okay, so here's what we can look at. Uh, there's a couple of comps that we can take a look at that are happening or have happened this season. So why don't we go ahead and pay attention to those really quickly. I think the first comp, which is like AKA worst case scenario, is let's take a look at UConn. UConn's freshman star point guard, Gilbert, goes out with an injury very early in the season. That's a good comparison. Go ahead. Their, their, their season kind of falls apart. Then throw in on top of that, like pile on top of that, they lose their uh, very good wing from VCU, Lalir. Um, so compounding those two injuries together, UConn is a big mess. Okay? Let's go best case scenario, and let's go out to the West Coast and take a look at Arizona. Arizona loses a potential starting wing, Ray Smith. Uh, they have not seen Alonzo Trier, which we'll get into later, the whole entire season. And they lose Paxson, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Jackson Cartwright uh, for a stretch of games. And somehow they've righted the ship and are trending upward. So I'm going to say that's best case scenario. And I think if we want to do a side-by-side comparison, maybe like uh, – uh, 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 like this team can be the control group and Creighton can be the uh, official official uh, experiment is let's take a look at what happens to Louisville without Snyder. Snyder is going to be out for a couple of weeks. That's, you know, a similar position, point guard position, uh, lead dog. He, he puts up big numbers in big games. So maybe 
if we pay attention to how Louisville does without Snyder, that will let us see into the future a little bit of what it might be for Creighton without Watson. So I think those three comparisons are worth paying attention to, to see and try to figure out like what does Creighton do without Watson and how do they solve this puzzle? Yeah, you know, that, that those are two great comparisons, Gus. Well done. You know, and it's funny, you know, we could actually have Brad Brommel in studio next podcast to see how Louisville did because I think he's not going to get out of the KFC Yum Center because he's being fired tonight is what I think is going on. Again, wow. another great start for them, 21 to 12. They're up at Louisville. Right now, guys, the score is... 85-56 Louisville over Clemson. So no Quentin Snyder, another great star for Clemson, and they are getting absolutely demolished. No NCAA tournament for Mr. Brommel in six years. Dabo Sweeney, we talk about it, polishing the trophy. Folks, Brommel could be here. So he's the good one to speak on that, Gus. I think it's a great point. I hope they're more Louisville. I hope they're more Arizona. It just seems like it's too much for them to overcome. And you know I'm ripped up about this because, folks, I think they were going to the Final Four. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this this probably tears at your heart more than Ugh, the Baylor loss to West Virginia. Oh my goodness! Um, anyway, that's a perfect transition, guys. What do you think about hitting our uh, news and notes? News and notes from the hardwood. All right, great. And Gus talked about Alonzo Trier. I no longer have to play. Where's Waldo with my daughter? Where's Alonzo Trier? Because we know where he is. Finally, he came out with the following statement. Alonzo Trier put this out as per Arizona. Earlier this season, I was notified that I tested positive for a trace amount of a banned performance-enhancing drug following an NCA random test, and I was shocked. I have never knowingly taken a banned substance after finding out that I was given a banned substance by a well-intentioned but misguided person. How about that verbiage? Uh, not associated with the university after an injury, I presented this information to the NCA. The NCA agreed that I had no knowledge of receiving the substance and my eligibility was restored. However, I can practice and travel with the team. Although I am not allowed to resume playing in games until the substance completely leaves my body, even at a trace amount. Unfortunately, I am unsure of what that time will be, but I hope it ends soon. Reaction, guys. My initial reaction, I feel like he's telling the truth because the NCAA, with their Gestapo-like rigor, would have ripped him up if he was lying. So the NCAA has agreed that he didn't knowingly take it, which I like. But again, it goes back, guys. You are responsible for what you put in your body. You know what I think here? I think kudos to every element that was involved here. Great job by the NCAA not getting out ahead of this and letting Arizona, Alonzo Trier, Coach Miller, and the Arizona program take care of it and be the figurehead for this instead of dropping sanctions and saying this is going to happen. Sure, did they have to say he's, he's uh, suspended? Absolutely, sure. But they did not go any further than that. So I like that Arizona and Trier have ownership on the situation now, and then they can find the ending point uh, moving forward as opposed to this like nebulous ending point that may or may not happen through the NCAA when they might you know, put down some sort of unfair finish line for them. So I'm going to say good work out of everybody involved with this. And how well coached was he with that statement? Holy smokes. Yeah, really well. Doc, so I think it's safe to say this is not orange juice. I mean, it's taken about two and a half months now and it hasn't gotten out of his system. So I, I think I, we're not going to speculate what it is, but it's got to be something serious, right? I mean, you know, we're, we're not talking about the clear, what Barry Bonds had. I mean, this must be something legit, right? That's tough to figure out. But like you said, I, th- I think the, the most telling fact about this whole situation is that when, when was the last time the NCAA apologized or reneged or took their foot off the gas pedal on somebody when this was happening or or a program or a university and so i think it it can be assumed that whatever it was it was not ill intended by this young man i'm i'm glad you know they came out they 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 got this cleared up it feels better in a way guys i i feel badly for alonzo trier because I can easily see, gosh, Gus, when we were in, in, in running in college, right? I mean, creatine was all the rage. Sure. Um, it, was, it was natural, but they say it's natural. And some it's not. I mean, like, you know, everybody was using it. It was all over the place. Yeah, um, just then, at, look, if we looked at the top of everybody's locker in the locker room, there, were, there was something fishy up there, right? Uh, of course. And, and, yeah. and it just seemed like it was okay. It was, very, it was not hidden. It was out in the open. So I could easily see right. how one of these things happened. It just goes back to our point last podcast. Sean Miller should be coach of the year. By the way, right now, minute left to go. Arizona winning at USC. If he pulls this off, and by the way, we'll get into this on Broadway. 
If they win against UCLA, I would just give them the trophy right now uh, for Coach of the Year. But Trier is going to come back. When they come back, they are going to be deadly. Uh, Jackson uh, Parker Cartwright isn't even starting yet. But again, Lonzo Trier looks like he's going to bow. But it sounds like he should be back soon. It sounds like in February is reasonable, right? No, guys? Yeah, I think there's a finish line in sight. I just think the um, uncertainty of the finish line is odd. But I understand understand, the reasoning behind it. It It makes perfect sense. And by the way, Imagine getting a player of that caliber back for like the second half of the Pac-12 season, the Pac-12 tournament and March Madness. Imagine getting like an all Pac-12 caliber player back into your rotation. That's nuts. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you are a serious college basketball fan. If you're listening to this podcast right now, we want to thank you for listening to this podcast. And feel free to rate us, by the way, on iTunes or find us on YouTube under College Basketball Podcast or Stitcher or iHeartRadio. Rate us and subscribe to the show. However, what we're going to tell you is last year, Arizona losing to Wichita State. In my opinion, guys, it's early. That is a far, far memory. This is a dangerous team come March. They're going to be like a five or six seed. Someone's going to pick them to lose. and all, Maybe they get a four seed. They're playing a one seed in the second round. Maybe somebody will finally beat Gus's Kentucky Bulldogs. I don't know. Maybe not. They're still partying. Gus on the ping pong table. It's fine. But this is a dangerous team come March and Trier comes back because right now they're doing a great job. Yeah, I, I'm so impressed with what Coach Miller is doing. Um, again, he, he's kind of putting all the pieces together. And it, like you know, like we mentioned before with Creighton, if you're going to play fortune teller of how they can do without Maurice Watson Jr., all you have to do is flash out west to see Arizona and look at what Coach Miller is doing with limited resources and how he's piecing it together and still putting up a top-shelf pro- uh, product and how dangerous they are. Like, I am with you. That game against UCLA is going to be live. Oh, maybe, Gus, what we could say is be careful, which is a perfect transition to our first game from News & Notes, which I said, be careful, Wisconsin, because the Wolverines are dangerous. You know what? You called this. The line was pretty high, but you said this is a tricky game. No, it was 10. Please, give me a break. Yeah, Michigan kind of needed another one of these wins to bolster their resume going into March. But does it happen here? Oh, it was so close, almost, but nope. The Michigan veteran guards kept it close for the Wolverines all night. Derek Walton Jr., Zach Irving, uh, Muhammad Ali Abdir Rahman shot it straight from three all night. They shot 47% from three with 10 makes. That is usually a recipe to win on the road. They just needed one more make. They came up short. You know what? I kind of hyped the the Hap and Wagner showdown, and you know what it was? It was just a big letdown. (laughs) Maybe they're both that good. Maybe they're both that good defensively that they cancel each other out, but you know what happened? Mike Randall, your worst nightmare. Here we go again. They were both saddled with foul trouble. Get to six. Please, can we not do this anymore? Please. I'm sorry, Gus. And Michigan never fouls anybody. They are one of the lowest fouling teams in the nation. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me, but as far as as far as like foul totals and average fouls per game, they are amongst the league leader, uh, not league leaders, the nation leaders. The story here was one of our guys, Bronson Koenig. He scored ten of his sixteen in the final six minutes. He hit some big threes and he took back the lead for good um, uh, when he banged in his last three, and the Wolverines could not scratch their way back. Love that he's playing finisher for whiskey and love that he's found a big moment to win a big game um, against a live Michigan Wolverines team. Um, So great win for the Badgers. Michigan was live, but they couldn't pull it out on the road. I'm going to agree with Gus there. X got the square. Um, Koenig has really stepped up his game. He's becoming the kind of guy that you really want down the stretch. He's hitting 67% of his three-pointers over the last four, four or five games. He's the kind of guy you really want, you know, late in games. And like you said, he's he's the kind of guy that can make up for in-game failures late in the game. You know what's frustrating, guys, is I feel like the basketball gods are playing with me this year. Okay, whether it's the Gonzaga-St. Mary's game, Jock Lindell-Faust, fine. I'm watching this game. Of course I'm rooting for Michigan. Why wouldn't I be, guys? I said on the podcast, be careful. I want to toot my own horn. I want to start hitting bells again. A lot of fun. And I'm sitting there going, Koenig only has six points. I remember saying this. And all of a sudden, Koenig turns into an N1 mixtape, you know, going to the basket, crossing over. They did the elevator play. I don't know if you guys saw that. They did an elevator play off an inbounds. Yep. I will tell you this. This is a gut feel. It is nothing more than this. I 
don't know if I'm buying Wisconsin. Bo Ryan is gone. Is Greg Gard Bo Ryan? I don't think so. I feel like Nigel Hayes and Koenig sometimes let the game come to them. I'm not, I like Hap, Gus, I do. I don't know if he can carry them. I just feel like the killer instinct isn't there all the time. I'm basing this on nothing. I'm calling you on the river and I don't know what you got. It's a gut feel. But Greg, I wasn't buying it. I just wasn't buying Wisconsin. Beeline's tough. Zach Irvin likes to smile when he makes shots. It's great. I just thought this could be a close game, and it was. So uh, if you took the 10, you were a happy camper. Absolutely. But you know what? I'm going to call you on the river, and I'm going to say I'm buying on Wisconsin. That's fair. Yeah. I'm I'm in. I like their pieces. Uh, On the broadcast, it was mentioned that uh, Nigel Hayes was, was very cognizant that he would like to be putting up numbers that were capable, uh, comparable with Caleb Swanigan and that he should be in the discussion for Big, uh, Big Ten Player of the Year. Um, so he needs to step up his game. So I, I, I think, that, I think they're, they're aware that the potential is there. And I think winning games like this shows that like, they're onto something. They have something cooking. And you know what? I like Gar. I like Gar because he allows his players to play. I like Gar because he allows his players to be, be people. Uh, I like Gar because... Everything is not guarded in the program. He allows his kids to be kids and have personalities and 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 be who they are. And I think that's empowering them tremendously. So I think he's investing long term. I like what he's doing. I'm buying it on the Badgers. Yeah, you could be right. I I, I have no basis for this. Your argument is much stronger than mine. I, I will tell you right now. But I I just feel like when we get to tournament time, guys, it's the old Jimmy Chipwood thing. You know, they call the timeout, they run the picket fence, and he starts yelling, what's the matter with you guys? And Chitwood knows enough to say, I'll make it. Listen, Nigel, you need 25 and 10 when you get to the NCAA tournament. Listen, Koenig, you can't have six points. I know we're fired up about Showalter. He's scrappy. Yeah, I'm fired up too. But if they're going to win in the tournament, Gus, it's going to be the big three. It's going to be Hap with a double-double. It's going to be Koenig with fallaway three-pointers from the corner against Xavier. And it's going to be Hayes leading them with scoring. They can't have the game come to you. It can't be Hayes saying, I want to challenge myself. See many how, how many bounce passes I can make from the foul line for layups. That's fine now, but I think when they get to the tournament – and, and uh, we've had brackets before. Dr. Tony suffered a terrible bracket loss with Alondo Tucker, I believe, years ago. Oh, yeah. Remember Black that? Friday. Black Friday. He, Dr. Tony was doing very well with his with his bracket, and uh, that was a killer. But I, I just – I don't know. I, I need them to step up. But you could be right. You could be right. And this could be – you know, if those three guys are clicking and they're motivated, they're as good as any three in the country. Uh, agreed. There, there, there's not many trifectas that we can pull out that are going to be as talented as those guys and as accomplished as those guys either. So – Again, I'm, and I really like Gar, um, so I'm, I'm in on him. Speaking of teams that we're in on, are we now in on Mike Randall's undefeated with Sendarius Thornwell, South Carolina Gamecocks? I think we might be in, right, guys? The 12-0, and listen, it was a tough, scrappy game. Florida did a nice job. They competed well. By the way, how about Casey Hill at the beginning of the game? I mean, I, I know Florida fans. I'm a little late to the party on Casey Hill, but he is fun to watch. I, You know, he may be next to the professor uh, and and uh, and uh, skip to my loo after this is over. But still, it was fun. It was close. And uh, tell him about it. I mean, listen, Thornwell did his thing. He was the best player on the floor, and he carried the Gamecocks with 15 of his 20 points in the second half. And speaking of points... Those things were way hard to come by early on in this contest. Did you? Are you guys aware that the score was four to three after the first TV timeout with like thirteen minutes left? This is insane. Casey Hill had two safeties, and Thornwell hit a field goal. That was the scoring. It was nuts. <laughs> you know, I was um, happy about that. Vegas on the under. <laughs> take, take the under on this game. Um, the points were so scarce because both teams played great defense not just south carolina florida did as well um south carolina is now you guys ready for this you guys you guys know love love i love my stats they are now the number one defensive rated team by ken palm sorry louisville sorry uva sorry cincy it's now south carolina and by the way florida is ranked 14th that is so they're right there with them wow totally under the radar totally crazy stat wow that's tremendous um, South Carolina's uh, number one ranked defense totally showed because are you aware that the Gators missed all 17 of their three-point shots in this game? Uh, I did not. I, you know, I thought they were missing a lot of them. Kevon, where are you? I, I, I know. I was waiting for him to make one or for Barry to make one. I, I was I was 
I was looking at the same thing you were. They were 0 for 17 from three. Great closeouts by Coach Martin and his team. And you know what? The Thornwell train, it just keeps chugging on, people. Yes, unfortunately, Gus, though, the, 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 guys, the, the Thornwell train is coming to a canyon uh, on January 21st <laughs> on Saturday. When they go to Kentucky to play the Wildcats, uh, I, I'm not going to be foolish enough to say the Thornwell train will keep chugging. I think it's going directly off the Grand Canyon, but still impressive job. 15-3 and three right now. Good job by South Carolina. You know what's pretty cool about that matchup? We just mentioned that they're the number one. Uh, South Carolina is the number one ranked defensive team. Do you know who the number two offensive ranked team in the nation is, according to Ken Palm? Would it be the Wildcats? Yes. How great is that matchup, huh? I'm going to do a little early prediction. Give the points. I don't know what they <laughs> What they'll be, but I feel like it's been a nice job by uh, Sindarius, but, uh, you know, Monk, Fox, anyone named Bam, Briscoe, Lefty, uh, you know, and you guys see I was on Twitter the other night, uh, Wenyan Gabriel for Kentucky yeah. is uh, the guy I've been critical of. I said that they should start Derek Willis. Mr. Gabriel had was three for three from three point range. That's all they need. They need more scores down there. Oh, that's 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 fantastic. It's almost like he's stealing Willis's job as like the you know the the, the standalone three pointer or the stretch four. Like that's crazy. I can't believe that he's like showing that range and extending it outward. How about we take a peek at a very predictable game down that was a screen, little closer? Back screen, down screen, slow it down. A little closer than we thought it might be, but it ended up being the same result that we predicted. Um, Temple traveled to number 20, Cincy, and they suffered an 81-74 loss on the road. Uh, Troy Copain, 18 points, and closed it out at the line with seven made three th- free throws. Like, very mellow tremble-ish. Like, just putting the game away. Like, I got this, guys. I'll hold the ball and get fouled and make all these free throws and put this game on ice for us. Really impressed by Copain. Um, and by the way, that's 19 home wins in a row. SMU stock up last week or last podcast was so close last week to beating Cincy, but they couldn't do it. Um, guess who the last team to beat the Bearcats at home was? Any guesses out there? That's right. It was Temple. So they had this game on their radar being thinking like, hey, this is the last team that beat us in our building. It's impressive that Temple even got 74 points at Cincy. Speaking of Cincy's like defensive prowess. But in the end, Mike Randall nailed this one. It was a near double-digit win at home for the toughest nails, Bearcats, and get that Valentine ready for Mick Crone and Mike Randall. Uh, in fact, Gus, let, let's look to my reaction when Cincinnati won this game. We're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. I'm sure the family loved that very much. Uh, yeah, big win for Mick Cronin. Uh, gosh, we got to get Mick Cronin on the podcast. And here's the thing about Cincinnati, and I want to warn everybody about this. We've seen this in high school teams. We've seen this in college teams. They're going to play poor teams. And listen, Temple fought. I understand that. They're 1-5. and five. It's not going to be a blowout. You're, it got there. I mean, eventually got there. But it, it's going to be 16-12 to 12 with six minutes left in the first half. That's the style they play. But they're so good defensively. They're up in your shorts. They make threes. Uh, Copain's a great leader. They just they try to win each four-minute segment by two points, and it's a 16-point win. I am not concerned that they're not up. Like, uh, what was, gosh, last night's game? I know I tweeted it out. Oh, it was Oklahoma State, Kansas State. It was like... 58 to something at the, at the break. That's yeah, three games both- worth for the Bearcats. Uh, but it doesn't bother me because I think they're in control. And the other part that we've mentioned before on the podcast with Cincinnati specifically this year is they're making their threes, which is a rarity and, and, and something new for McCronin. Um, they have multiple offensive weapons on the floor at all times. It is not just like a, a one-man show. And also, the guy that they relied on so heavily last year, uh, Copain the point guard, does not have all of these scoring burdens on him with with the variety they can throw at you offensively. They have they have Evans, they have Clark, they have Washington. Um, so they have a lot. They have Jennifer. They have a ton of players that can put the ball in the basket, which is like something completely foreign for Mick Cronin. So and they're going to play that you know top shelf Cincinnati defense again. You're right on here, Mike Randall. They are an issue. Yeah, they are, and and it, it's sort of a, a contrast in styles, guys, to our next game. Uh, mm. which is Notre Dame, Florida State. 
And again, I, I felt like I had this read right as well because Notre Dame was in this game right till the very end. They played it tough. I, of course, I expected Florida State to win, but that line of six and a half made no sense to me, guys. No sense whatsoever. They kept it close, didn't they? Uh, agreed. Fifteen, Number 15, Notre Dame, goes down to uh, number 10, Florida State. Um, uber underrated freshman for Florida State, Jonathan Isaac, had 23 points and 10 boards, his second straight double-double. So he High score was for like, the game. Yeah, high score for yeah. the entire game. Yeah, he, he was a driving force, not Bacon, um, not Mays. And get this. I was I, I did I would not pay attention to this until I was like kind of tuning into this game and, and, and had my eyes on it a little bit. Um, it's the sixteenth straight home win for the Seminoles. And that win helped push them into a first place tie into the ACC. Like I don't know if we all thought that was gonna happen preseason. I don't even think we thought that was all gonna happen like three games ago, right? No, it, it, this was this was an incredible game. The largest lead was 37-28 Florida State. It was a very close game throughout. That was an early lead. Back and forth they went. Angriest guy in college basketball, VJ Beecham, had 14 points. <laughs> uh, Dr. Tony, after you heard the last podcast, I'm guaranteeing on the podcast that VJ Beecham will get in a fight with Grayson Allen because he just seems very angry. Oh, I heard it. I mean, so it's <laughs> just a great prediction. Uh, call me Doc Tony's called me crazy while he's cutting somebody open in the middle of the ER. Uh, but it was, it was it was a great game. You're right on about about Isaac back and forth. Matt Farrell, the whole uh, that played tough. Um, Steve Vistoria, who doesn't love him? No one loves uh, him more than me. Notre Dame is good, guys. I know they're undersized, but Notre Dame is very very good. Yeah, don't overlook the Irish and their three point shooting. I think they were about seventy percent from the from behind the arc this game. That's. It's tough to lose a game when you shoot seventy percent from three point range, but they, you know, Florida State was that good, but um, they can put that in their back pocket uh, later on in the season. Yeah, especially because that's on the road, and these shooting teams that shoot it on the road are going to be an issue. I just love the chemistry, guys. I love Farrell. He's got a chip on his shoulder. We said he didn't play a lot last year. He was thinking of transferring. The story does everything well. I don't know if he's top five Notre Dame player of all time, as Mike Bray said, but that's fine. But they had eighteen from Vistoria. They had 17 from Matt Farrell. They had 14 from Beecham. Uh, 12 for Gibbs off the bench, who, by the way, guys, is an yeah. issue. I've said it last time. He is an yep. issue. He plays well. They're undersized, but they have a lot of heart. They make their free throws. They shoot their threes. Dangerous march team, the Irish. So Dr. Tony brought up the high percentage from three, right? I think what counterbalanced that was like the unusual um, 19 turnovers that they have. Um, you know, we, we talked about the Gibbs and Farrell matchup. We talked about like the good ball handling all around. Gus, usually 19 turnovers. That's, that's nothing. I mean, the teams I root for you at 29. <laughs> I love that you keep going back to that 29 uh, forced turnovers by, uh, by West Virginia. Ish Wainwright off his ankle, breaking a three. T- sorry. All right. <laughs> but you know, the Irish is so sure handed They They, they average like, I don't know, like 10 turnovers a game. So 19 is like a little bit of an anomaly for them. Um, so I think that counterbalanced, you know, what Dr. Tony was saying about the made threes. And usually, you know, if you're going to shoot 70% from three on the road, that's a win. So um, I think that was the deciding factor. And I think it's time to give Florida State their due. They're a legit top 10 team. I mean, and I don't know why people shouldn't be talking about them as like, a you know, a possible Final Four team as well. Yeah, and, and moving on now, we'll go to number 25, Maryland gets uh, to go to Iowa and they beat Fran McCaffrey again. Dr. Tony, I think you're a big Fran McCaffrey guy. Why don't you talk about Maryland, Iowa? I am a big Fran McCaffrey guy. I like what he's doing. You know, he's he's got a young team. Uh, he starts three or four freshmen. I think I want to fight Fran McCaffrey. Okay, I'm just, I just want to throw it out there yeah, right now. Won't, you know, he's starting three <laughs> or four freshmen. They're taking their lumps. They got thumped by Northwestern. They lost at home to, to Maryland. Uh, they're super young. They'll they'll be better for it in the future. But we know he's not shaking hands. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. The the Terps overcame. Give them credit. They overcame twenty one turnovers. They closed out a tough game on the road. Um, There's they're up to seven in a row. I think. Melo Tremble hits two threes in the final three minutes to help the Terps take it down. This guy's got to be in the short list for Big Ten Player of the Year. With Swan again, Hap, Bridges, who else? Anyone? Kearns? Anywhere else? I think the list stops right there. Okay. Yeah, they're, and also, guys, they're actually they've won ten of eleven. Uh, really strong. Uh, they've won uh, what? We got one, two, the four in a row, but ten of eleven overall. So can we can we just like interject something really really quickly here after this Maryland win? Okay, so we're we're you know we're kind of praising Mello and we're we're praising Maryland. Can got, just hit the rewind button for a second, guys? Do you guys remember when Pitt actually beat Maryland? 
it just seems so odd. I know. That, I was thinking that, the same thing, watching them yeah. against NC State, turn it over. Is it, that crazy? It's crazy. And, and Pitt is literally in last place in the ACC, and Maryland is now amongst the leaders in the, in, in, in the Big Ten. I, 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 that game makes no sense to me. Does that speak to the leagues? Does that speak to like our um, vacation game anomaly result, where like you know all the people are out of their uh, routines? Uh, like that just got me thinking about that game, and I, I don't know. What to, I don't know what to make, wrap my head around it. It's crazy. You know what? It, it's the beauty of our favorite sport, guys. That's what it is. It's it is. one in five Pittsburgh, twelve and seven overall, winning that game that makes absolutely no sense against Maryland. Maryland's getting better as much as. We're upset. We're probably not going to see Markel Fultz in the tournament. I'm excited. Mm. We are going to see Melo Trimble. It's a great win. I thought it was going to happen. I, I have no doubt that I was going to lose at home. McCaffrey screaming at officials after the game. Of course, of course. What's next? Tombstone pile driver. I mean, always got to be some sort of action with him. Peter Jock, by the way, has got to be like, why am I here? I, I agree. It, but that's what happens. DePaul Villanova, right? You want to say, listen, I yeah. understand that it's it's during the break, but guys, DePaul Villanova, and, and then the guy's going, let's go with about two minutes left. Game's tied. I mean, that's why we love college basketball. Uh, Docs didn't get to his Ivy League preview. The Ivy League has lived off of this. Well, this makes no sense. That's why we love it, right? It, it is. And it just got me like thinking like, it's just madness. It's crazy. And 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 if we're going to hit the fast forward button, guess what, guys? A couple months away is March. And we just hope the same thing repeats in March and like gives us all of these highlights and all these talking points and all these things we can just be excited about. So, I mean, it, it, it's a perfect preview is the way I look at it. Folks, we've um, said, the three of us have said it all along. We just hope that we're alive and together when a 16 beats a one. It is going to happen. Great. Southern had Gonzaga in trouble. We all know there's been stories there. We've seen 15s beat two all the time. Giddy Potts. We just hope it happens. You never know. You never. Give me the 40-36 with six minutes left and the ball for the 16th seed, and I may pass out. Yeah, diversity in styles maybe, um, and maybe like that underrated great coach at the small school. Um, yeah, I'm with you. It's going to happen at some point. I can't wait for it. I just hope we're there to share with it uh, in person. That'd be amazing. So one of those teams that could pull one of these upsets if they're you know slotted in the right seed come March, and this is like a sneaky under-the-radar game, and you may think of like, why are we even talking about this game? Dayton wins a huge A-10 game. Of course they win a huge A-10 game. When don't they? Um, versus Richmond, 75-59. Uh, and you're thinking, like, what's the big deal, right? But if you just take a look at the A-10 standings, these are the top two teams currently in the A-10 standings. Richmond actually came in 5-0 and in conference. Was anybody else thinking that? I wasn't. Um, Dayton was 4-1. and Thankfully for the Flyers, Charles Cook is back. He puts up 17 points, leads a very balanced Flyer scoring attack. Um, our favorite guy. Come on, say it with me. Scoochie Smith had a very Monte Morris, very Shake Milton type line, 15 points, five boards, four helpers, two made threes, just kind of did a little bit of everything like he always does in every big Dayton win. Dayton quietly on top of the A-10 standings again. And if you're listening to the podcast, Mike Randall called for this about two weeks ago. And Josh Cunningham may be back. You never know. He'll come back for the let people are sleeping on this Dayton team. Oh, you got some stats for us, Dr. Tony? Yeah, they were 8 of 21 from 3, 21 of 26 from the line. These are things that, again, they've proven in the past. They've done well in March, and they'll do well again. If you are a local New York, New Jersey folk, and you want to get a good look at Scoochie up close, they will be visiting Rose Hill. Oh, good call. January 31st. Game got wow. for 9 p.m. start. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Go grab some dinner on Arthur Avenue. Oh, sounds so good. Yeah. Wow, Dr. Tony. Go for a nice walk in the Botanical Gardens. Yeah, and and, and this A-10 is nuts right now. Folks, we're going to have on uh, UMass assistant Adam Ginsberg is coming on to the podcast soon. We're going to talk about A-10 basketball, but there's been some major, major upsets. We had VCU went down to Fordham, so Fordham is not an easy place to play. No. It's it's wide open right now, so you got to take care of business. Dayton took care of it tonight. I saw our good friend was on the podcast, Paul Biancardi, at halftime. He goes, they go. What, what's the key for um, what's the key for Richmond to stay in this game? By the way, Richmond was five and zero coming in this game in conference, so this was a big one for Dayton. And Biancardi goes. They got seven threes at the half. You got to get out on shooters. 
Coach, great job. You're totally right. That's exactly what they should do. I love Coach Biancardi. He is so to the point and so on point every single time he speaks or tweets something out. I, I love Coach. But, but listen, we, Gus, we have Dr. Tony in studio. His time is very valuable. So why don't we turn over to him here? Uh, folks, we, uh, he is going to give you a breakdown of the Ivy League. Do not sleep on the Ivy League. This is not the same Ivy League that was jumping up and down in 94 when Penn beat Nebraska for the first win ever in the tournament. This is a dangerous, dangerous squad. Baylor knows that certainly, right? Okay. Uh, so, Dr. Tony, give us the rundown. What do you think of the Ivy League this year? Well, the season got underway two weekends ago at Jadwin down in Princeton with a matchup between our classic perennial league contenders, Princeton and Penn. Princeton was up big at the half. They were up by 21. Early in the second half, Penn rallies. They tie the game with 26-5 run. Penn, uh, the Tigers go back on a 7-0 run of their own, and boom, they come away with a hard-fought 61-52 win. Significant because in previous years, that game, despite the fact that it's just the first game of the league season, would have had absolutely enormous implications come March, right? With no conference tournament, the regular season holds so much importance that every game is just put up on a pedestal. And given the fact that Penn and Princeton have combined for 38 of the past 48 Ivy League titles. Wait, is that is that true? That is absolutely true. That's amazing. It is amazing. And yet, true. Uh, there were plenty of years where literally the only other game on the league schedule that would have counted or mattered would have been the rematch at the Palestra. But let's hold on one second. March 2017 brings a historic change to the Ivy League. We have finally added a league postseason tournament. Fantastic, right? I, I love that you're using the we here because you are part of the Ivy League. That's what I'm enjoying the most. I yeah, love it. Uh, so the top four teams in the Ivy League standings that will advance to the inaugural Ivy League tournament, March 11th and 12th at the Palestra, of course, it's got to be there, right? Fantastic venue. Broadcast on ESPN will make for an incredibly interesting regular season. Teams will be fighting just to get into the top four. They'll hope to get hot. They hope to sneak into the NCAA tournament just like every other team does around the country come that time of year. You know, thinking back a year ago, it would have been very interesting, very interesting to see that, that league tournament with Yale and Princeton having split the season series and a strong Columbia team, the eventual, yes, CIT champions, Hoping to sneak in the back door for their first bid since 1968. Yes, that was before man set foot on the moon. But we're, we're optimistic. All right. Wow. So, you know, let's just take a quick look at what could be, in my opinion, the four teams that will be at that tournament come March. Hey, Dr. Tony, can I just jump in for five seconds here? Absolutely. Um, I, I, at first, I didn't know what to think of the four team tournament, but the more and more it's mulling around my brain and it's in the, in the, in the map room and in the think tank, the more and more I love it. The reason I love it is because there's still that urgency, like you had mentioned for, for regular season games, maybe for the third, second, third and fourth place teams, maybe even fifth place team. So it doesn't take away that every day, you know, every weekend urgency for the Ivy, but it also can give a couple of other teams like that really, 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 like imaginary dream of getting into the tournament finally, whether it be Columbia or another team that's, it's, it's really hard up. So uh, carry on. I'm, I'm so intrigued right now, but I just wanted to throw in my two cents on like the four team playoff. And I, 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 the more I think about it, the more I really like it. Yeah. No, to bounce off your idea, it, it, it kind of prevents that uh, 12 and 20 team getting in and it, it gives your, your tournament winner a, a real chance to do some damage. I think, um, in the big dance. So um, so let's start with Princeton. Coach Mitch Henderson and assistant coach Kerry Kittles. Yes, yes. Really? Yes, that Kerry Kittles. That's amazing. They opened the season as the odds-on favorite to win the league. They're coming off a second-place finish last year. They got an NIT bid. They had planned on having nearly all their scoring back, but unfortunately the Tigers had a rough December. Uh, they lost leading scorer Henry Caruso. He's a returning first-team All-Ivy player. Toe injury, out for the season. They lost Hans Brace. The second time in two years, season-ending right knee injury. So they'll fight. You know, they have Ivy League Player of the Year candidate Steve Cook. He's averaging 15 points per game. He's shooting over 45% from three-point range. They return a two-time second-team All-Ivy player in Spencer Weiss. Kind of a do-everything, tough, gritty kid. He can shoot, can rebound. 
You know, they're deep otherwise. They'll need to be deep throughout the season. They're off and running. They got a 3-0 start. They'll they'll be happy to play from out ahead. Next, I would say we have Harvard. Right? Coach Tommy Amaker. Hard gotta to include gotta include them every year, right? At this point, hard to believe. Yeah. He's been there ten years already. I feel wow. like, I feel like I just saw him on the bench with Coach K two days ago. Yeah, it doesn't feel that long ago, right? No. They're young. They got seven freshmen up in Cambridge this year. They have a very strong sophomore class. Uh, freshman Chris Lewis heating up for the Crimson, averaging about 13 points a game in his last six contests. He had a career-high 22 points against Crosstown rival Boston College. Seems like they take them down on an annual basis. Zaina Adesomwan. Zaina Adosomwan is back. Beastly down low for the Crimson. He's got an NBA-type body. He's on the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar center-to-watch list for the season. And, of course, more than anything, Siani Chambers is back for his senior season, coming off an ACL tear. Uh, they're off to a 1-0 conference record. They have a win over Dartmouth. All right, so that's those are the top two, as per most of the pundits. And, uh, Dr. Tony, uh, Chambers was on that team that upset New Mexico a bunch of years back. Was he a freshman or a sophomore on that team? Correct. Okay, a, very good. He was a freshman. Correct. Okay, excellent, excellent. Uh, and let's get to the Yale Bulldogs. Defending champions, 13-1 and one a year ago, coming off an incredible NCAA tournament performance last year up in Providence. They had the classic 12-versus-5 win over... Oh, Mike Randall, Baylor, Baylor Bears. Mike Randall's Baylor Bears. Uh, That's right. And they had the near upset of Duke with a furious comeback in the second half, led by Brandon Sherrod. I, I think this will be Dr. Tony's last time here on the Screen the Screener podcast because we're, we're, we're not going to allow ripping on Baylor. Okay, I think we're going to move forward with that. <laughs> oh, Dr. Tony, way to pull it. Mike Randall's heartstrings. Very nicely done, young man. And then the near upset of Duke with a furious comeback in the second half. Led by Brandon Sherrod. Okay, they've lost a, key, a few key pieces uh, in, in, from last season's team, including the aforementioned Sherrod. And, of course, back-to-back Ivy League Player of the Year, Justin Sears. He's now taken his talents overseas. Coach Jones thought he would be returning Makai Mason, but he also is sidelined for the season with a left foot injury. So the Bulldogs, they have their troubles. Uh, they will rely on Sam Downey. They will rely on senior captain Anthony Dallier, not a true point guard, at least by college standards, had played some in high school and done very well at it and is doing well now in Makai Mason's place. So they're, they're looking to clearly get into the top four and defend their title. Downey is a great player. The Mason injury is killer. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and take the Columbia Lions as that fourth team to get in. That a boy. There you go. Yeah, of course. They're coming off their CIT championship from a year ago with a new coach, Jim Engels. Uh, former uh, NJIT coach? That's correct. Very good. Very good. Without Mauro Lowe, who's playing overseas in Germany. Um, what they do have, which is an Ivy League rarity, is they have three guys averaging just about 13 points a game. Uh, last week's Ivy League player of the week, Luke Petrasic, hung 31 on Cornell this past weekend. And last week's Ivy League Rookie of the Week, Mike Smith, a talented freshman point guard who was he was actually runner-up for Mr. Basketball in the state of Illinois last year. So, yeah, and they can round it out with Nate Hickman, slashing athletic guard. He can play above the rim. Sometimes you you literally watch these lines and you don't know you're watching the Ivy League. So, you know, I think I think that's the, that's the top four as I see it. Um, Penn, unfortunately, they're out to a, an 0-3 start. They'll be playing from behind. Um but they'll be they'll be looking to gain some ground. Uh, but, yeah, per- perennial Ivy powerhouse. Like when you think Ivy, you always think uh, Penn. It, you know, more than anything, just for the for the Big Five uh, correlation, but also because the, you just feel like they've been there so many times with Dumphy before. Uh, the Ivy champ has evolved into a tough out in the tournament. You know, four out of the last seven years, they've advanced past the first round. And, and it's not just the same team doing it. You know, it's not one team in the conference. It's been three, right? It's been Cornell getting to the Sweet 16 in, in 2010. It's been Harvard a couple times. It was Yale last year. So it's teams looking to get out of the I, – I don't think it's an easy – I don't think teams are looking 
uh, at their bracket at you know on Selection Sunday saying, I'm glad we got the Ivy League anymore. I just don't think it's like that. No, it, in fact, it's totally different. I mean, the first time they had the win was back when Penn in 94 beat Nebraska. Yep. And then everyone pretty much what just turned into well it's Princeton because it's Carrell. So Carrell has the massive massive upset in 1996 as the 13 seed over number four Jim Harris UCLA Bruins. Then two years later, and people don't remember this, two years later Bill Carmody takes over Princeton. 98 folks, they were a five seed. They were a five seed in 1998. Spanked UNLV in round one. Had a tough loss in round two. Then after that, nothing really happened until Cornell comes along in 2010 as a 12 seed. Cornell pounds Temple in round one, and then we had talked about this too. Remember, we remember we talked about the tournament guys. We liked Temple and we liked Cornell. We all liked Cornell, but we were upset that Temple played Cornell because we knew one of them was going to win. We didn't know which one. Right. Then they go, they play Wisconsin, smell you later, Bo Ryan. They smoked them, and they had a tough game against Kentucky. They actually hung in there for a little bit. But yeah. then after that, they've taken over. So 2010 that was, 2014, uh, here comes the high-flying New Mexico. Alfred's got the net around his neck because they won the regular season Mountain West and the tournament, and then smell you later to Harvard on that loss. They had a close one against North Carolina that I think I we were together. I think I left. I was tired. It was the end of the day. You guys hung around. They had a last-second shot to beat old Roy. Yale has been a pain. Um, the Baylor next. We're not talking about that. That which will not be discussed on the screen. The screen of podcast. <laughs> and then they gave Duke all they could handle. Grayson Allen had like twenty three points in that first half, and then they came flying back after that. Remember, guys, they lost. Doctor Tony was devastated. Yale lost their captain right last year. Absolutely. Um, so Late in the season. So they're in the second round against Duke, and they lost their captain. So. Uh, the, the Ivy League, folks, is a dangerous team. It's an upset team. They're going to be hot now with this tournament coming in. They're going to have a couple wins under the belt. Watch out for the Ivies. Guys, here's my one thought on the preview. Dr. Tony, like crazy, amazing job. I can't believe that you spit out that much information on the Ivy. That was ridiculous. Um, I got to tell you, not, not that I'm like an expert on this or anything, but Jim Angles can coach. Columbia has a great coach in place. He did – he had to – like he had to do crazy things at NJIT just to get people to play him because they were not associated with a league. They were like one of the few independents in all of college basketball. So he had to book all these games. He had to run his team around the country to play these games. So the fact that he has some stability in the Ivy, I think he's going to be playing with house money. I, I, I I think that I think I think they're dangerous. Watch out! Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, Ivy League is definitely going to be fun. Um, yeah, Ivy League is is definitely an issue. Doctor Tony, thank you for your expertise. And uh, guys, Gus, I don't think we've ever had a three person stroll down Broadway. What do you think? Well, let's just point Doctor Tony in the right direction. It's uh, you know uh, his old stomping grounds. Let's roll. Hit the music. On Broadway. All right, so we we uh, we got a lot of reviews here. You can contact the show uh, at you can contact us on Twitter at SDS Podcast. You can t- please email the show SDS Podcast at gmail.com. You can contact uh, Gus at at C Kearns twelve. Myself at Fantasy FTSY Warrior Mike. Uh, people like the short, quick on Broadway segments. Gus being totally rational, making a lot of sense. Mike Randall saying very aggressive. Odd, irrational things. And I guess Dr. Tony would be a perfect mix here. So why don't uh, Gus kick us off? Let's go down Broadway. All right. Here we go, guys. You know what we need to talk about? We need to, we need to talk a little bit about the Minutemen. Uh, UMass is going to host Fordham. And we mentioned them earlier in the podcast. They, they play live at home. It's a 1230 start on Saturday. This is a big A-10 matchup. Um, UMass hosting Fordham. Mike Randall. Tell me a little bit about these Minutemen. Yeah, the Minutemen are, are dangerous here because right now in the A-10, everyone is, is bunched up. Uh, this is going to be a, a – we had the uh, loser least town match last time, guys, um, which, by the way, I guess Pittsburgh is leaving town, right? Is that what we right, 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 yeah. NC State won, so Pitt is now leaving town, yes. But we have a whole lot of teams bunched up in the A-10, and uh, this is a huge game having UMass there. That, that, that place gets loud. I've been there. I'll talk to Coach Ginsburg about this. The loudest basketball game I have ever witnessed in person was VCU at UMass a few years ago with Chaz Williams. I have never heard a place that loud. They're going to get behind this team. This is a good team. They've won two out of three. They had a tough loss against URI. They should have had that one. 
Uh, but a nice win over St. Joe's, the big win over Dayton. So this is a huge, huge game for them. And they're hosting Fordham. Fordham is 2-4. and four. Different team on the road than at home. Very Ben Roethlisberger-like, if you will. Okay, Very um, very nice. Yeah, I mean, He's leading the Steelers, right? Six field goals. Sorry. Last day against the Steelers fans. Uh, but this is a big game. UMass should get this game at home. They should get get their record back uh, up to 3-4, and four, right in the middle of that log jam in the A-10. Uh, VCU lost. Dayton's lost. Richmond's now lost. Going to be an exciting game. So – Here's why it's also important. The A-10 is going to be a multi-bid league, and whoever can kind of separate themselves and get a couple more of these quality wins, um, whether it be on the road or at home, like that's going to just bolster their resume in March. And so you need these wins mid-season to go ahead and have yourself at the top half of the A-10 at least um, to get that to make sure that you get one of those multi-bids that the A-10 is going to get. And UMass, perfect opportunity for them to do so. I know we're kind of waiting for this game. Number 12, Louisville, is going at number 10, Florida State, 2 o'clock on Saturday. Two ranked teams in the ACC. Um, two teams uh, coming off of pretty big wins. Two teams that we can easily argue for the Final Four. Two teams that have talent all over the court. What say here? What are we going to see here, Vass? Uh, Gus, Louisville's getting blitzed. I'm telling you, right. I've loved Louisville. I've been on top of them. No Quentin Snyder tonight. They face Brommel, who's still looking for a job. That's fine. I'm telling you right now, Florida State's going to blitz them. Florida State by double digits. That's my prick. Uh, I, I think, uh, I think, I think this is a bad spot for Louisville. I think Patino can work his magic. This is going to be on the road. You know, we're looking for Inez Mahmoud to have 20. He's not going to have it. Uh, I, I think this is a tough spot, Gus. Florida State is good. We know that. Saturday, 2 o'clock, I don't like this spot for Louisville at all. You know what? I, I'm with you. I think the initial game without Snyder, they could scheme a couple things against Clemson. Yep. Yep. I think it's going to get exposed against Florida State because the talent gap between those two teams is so minimal. Um, I think that talent gap, I think that's going to show, and especially if since they're on the road, um, hostile environment now. You know, you can hear the chop for he- from here, right? You can hear that yep. going down. Here it is. Here it comes. State. Here it comes right now. Yeah, there it is. I, I, I'm with you, Gus. I, I feel like timeout Patino at the 12.30 mark of the second half trying to get that double timeout back-to-back because Florida State's up 10. That's my prediction. If I get that one right, we're open the podcast with that. I feel like that that's the point. They'll hang around. They'll be tough. Then all of a sudden, saved my bacon. will go off. You know, Rattan Mays, your boy inside. Ball game over. So do you think he's going to lose the tie and go like total Scarface again on the sidelines because he's going to be so flustered? No, I think he knows without Quentin Snyder, this team's in trouble. So I, okay. I, I think he'll be intense, but I don't think it'll be, you know, a Fran McCaffrey situation. All right. He'll be composed. Uh, okay. <laughs> Marquette is going to go to number seven, uh, Creighton, uh, 2.30 Saturday. How's Creighton going to shape up with no more, no more Watson? It's going to be exactly the same way about the, the prior game. Uh, tonight we saw a no Snyder. Louisville got excited. Creighton's going to be fired up. Those fans are tremendous out there in Omaha. That's fantastic. I don't think Marquette's that good. I think Roger's doing a great job. I don't think Marquette just has the talent right now. So I expect Creighton to have a good win here. Uh, but after that, the, the wheels are going to fall off. But I'll, I'll take Creighton, and I just think that the, the, the LG squad, the Let's Go squad, is going to be fired up. But after this one, it's going to be, it's going to be trouble. Uh, I'm going to go the other way here. I'm going to say it's tighter oh, than you think. Okay. I think they're going to I think they're going to run into a little trouble early on. Okay. I, I think like Dr. Tony predicted, I think once they kind of get stuff figured out a little bit later, um, they'll be a little bit more sound, but I think the initial shock of this is going to hit them really hard and it just might hit them hard against Marquette. They, Gus, um, they, Gus, I'll tell you right now, they lose this game. That's 9 and 9 in the in the conference. Lock it up because I'm telling you the yeah. losses I mean, they ain't winning at Butler, Xavier mm-hmm. at Seton Hall. No way. I, I think they, they, they need this one to me to get to 10 and 8. That's my prediction. Yeah, you know what? I think with this injury, the home games become that more paramount yep. for Creighton mm-hmm. particularly. So I'm right with you as far as the urgency of this game for sure. Um, this is one I think we are all looking forward to, right? 14, Arizona. You know, we pumped them up earlier. Um, said this could be the script for Creighton to follow. Um, is going to go to our Comet sighting of number three, UCLA. 4 p.m. on Saturday. Um 
Do they have a chance on the road? Do the Wildcats have a chance on the road here against the Bruins? They do. And I, I boy, I want to. I, I need. I'll put it out on Twitter if I thank you guys. I want to pick Arizona in this game. I really do. I, I the the freshman UCLA is just so balanced that they're not going to get tripped up. That's my issue. Uh, but tonight, I mean, they, they had a nice win tonight. I can't pick against UCLA. They're too good. But this is going to be a close game. This is a this is the game of the weekend. This is the game to watch. I just would be careful with Arizona. Tonight they had a huge win, 73-66 over USC. Marketing had 23 points and 8 rebounds. Ristic showed up with 12 rebounds, 14 for Alkins, 10 for Simmons, 11 for, for Allen. And listen, UCLA will be ready to go as well. I mean, they're having no trouble tonight against the, the Sun Devils. They're 54-31 with two minutes left to go in the first half. Uh, so I think it's going to be close. Without question. You know what my prediction here is? I don't necessarily have a game prediction. I think this line is going to be a little quirky. That's what I feel. I feel like the line is not going to be what you think the line is going to be once it comes out. Um, so pay attention to the line and you know make a good decision off of it. If Mike and Dr. Tony and I take a look at it and we think it's a little fishy, we'll let you guys know via Twitter, of course. Um, how about number seven, West Virginia, is going to go to the Octagon of Doom and Kansas State, 6 p.m. on Saturday. Um, what, is West Virginia going to continue their Ben Roethlisberger-like ways and be a little sketchy on the road and have trouble here? Or are they going to continue their turnover machine and just turn over K-State at an unbelievable rate and get this one? What do we think? Yeah, uh, this one's a tough one. You know, I, I'm being stubborn, guys. Dr. Tony, I, I am not too keen on West Virginia, which is really why I was stuck with a John Denver avatar for a week from Gus. I <laughs> am. I think that loss to uh, Oklahoma was very revealing. Jordan mm. Woodard's good, guys. I don't know if he's the second coming of Chris Paul. So I think that exposed some warts. They were lucky to escape at Texas without their leading score. They lose at home. Now they go into the octagon of doom against a Bruce Weber team that's always going to play well. I'm calling a Kansas State win, and I'm Ooh. calling West Virginia in a free fall, and I'm still holding hope that the only team that's going to challenge my guy, Bill Self, are the Baylor Bears. I do not think West Virginia is winning this game. Wow. That is not where I thought you were going to go with this. Um, so you're riding that the West Virginia Mountaineers are going to continue their, their troublesome ways on the road. I, I kind of like it. Gus, I just um, – really sorry. Uh, one more thing. I just yeah. think that they go cold. Yeah. I think they were excessively hot against Baylor at home, and I just think they go cold. And when they go cold, Kansas State can beat their press. You can beat their press and they're cold. That's a first-round upset. There's your Ivy League upset. Ooh. Ivy League versus Huggy Bear, the first round. That's very appealing, by the way. Very just appealing. Venom, just vindictive venom from Mike Randall right now. Uh, how, hey, how about we go back to the ACC? Let's go uh, Miami going down to number 18 Duke for like the Saturday night uh, primetime game around 8 o'clock. Um, you know what I think here? I think Miami has a definite chance on the road. I think Larinag is going to have them kind of ready, schemed up and ready to play. And I think Duke is still all out of sorts. I am actually going to go the other way. Whoa! What? I think the Duke faithful come out big time for this game. They've lost a few in a row. I've been off of them. I don't think Miami has the chops to have a close game in Cameron. They know they need a win. They're home. I think Jefferson will be back. Mm. No wham, bam, no thank you, ma'am. I love Larinaga. I can't believe I'm saying this. I think Duke's – they need this game. This is a Duke pride game. They'll bring out Leitner. Elton Brand will come. You know, Corey Maggette, if we can find him. He's around somewhere. I think they bring everyone out. Krzyzewski probably has a video message for them or something like that. I swear to God I could see this happening. I think Duke rolls in this game. But I, I, listen, either that or, or Allen will get in, you know, technical. One or the other. But I, I kind of think this is a we're the championship Duke. Get the heck out of our way. We're not losing three in a row. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, it is hard to see them lose three in a row because people had picked them as a preseason number one slash final four slash like national championship. Um, so it is hard to see that particular team um, lose three in a row. But remember what happened to Kentucky a couple of years ago? They ended up in the NIT. Is Duke headed that same direction? I don't know. This game could start telling that story one way or the it's other. True. Good point. So 
yeah, so I'm intrigued to see if like, you know, which way the ball is going to start rolling. Is it going to continue running, rolling downhill and just gather momentum? Or are they going to, you know, is somebody going to kick it back uphill and then they're going to start doing things the other way and get things right? Hey, you know what? Totally need to pay attention to this game. Two unranked teams, but it's crucial. Northwestern at Ohio State. Northwestern needs this game. They need this game to bolster that March resume that they have been putting so much effort into this season. Come on, Northwestern! I think I think the, I think everybody but a Buckeye fan is going to be rooting for them this weekend. Uh, I'm going to go right now, and then Dr. Tony can jump in. I know here Northwestern wins this game, lock it up. They're making the NCAA tournament. Ooh. I'm going to say it right now that would put, that would put them at five and two and sixteen and four. Guys, they're making it. This is a critical, critical game for them. It's on the road. It's at Ohio State. I understand that. Come on, Chris Collins. You get this one. You're breaking the streak. Dr. Tony, what says you? What says me? I I say they win. You know, I think this Ohio State team is pretty pedestrian. I think Northwestern played fantastic over the weekend. They they went 2-0. Yes, they, they went on the road to beat Rutgers. Not a great win, but traveled, you know, across the country nonetheless. Road win. Road win. We'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, they absolutely blew out Iowa. They did everything right. They shot like sixty percent from the field. They held Iowa at about thirty-five percent from the uh, from the, from their field. That's three league wins in a row for them. Scotty Lindsay is hot. I think they go in there and I think they beat Ohio State. And I think I agree with uh, Mike Randall. I think they get. I think they get to the tournament this year. Dr. Tony's a bad loss for Michigan State on Sunday. It was a bad loss for them. Ohio State's always tough at home. I just feel like that's a special rivalry. I agree. I think Northwestern's getting it, Gus. you agree or no? You know what I am? You know what I'm going to call for? I'm going to call for a couple of Brian McIntosh uh, free throws late in the game to seal it. How about that? I agree. Yeah, let's go. We're all in Northwestern. Break the streak. Come on, guys. The little man. <laughs> hey, uh, listeners out there. All three of us would just like to say thank you for tuning into the Screen the Screener podcast. Thank you for making part of us of your uh, you know weekly routine and and finding us and dialing us up on on, on iTunes and Stitcher, uh, tuned in radio. Uh, maybe you're catching us on on our Twitter feed at at s the s podcast. We just want to say thank you, thank you. We hope uh, you. I hope that everybody feels more educated after the Dr. Tony Ivy breakdown. I know I do. That was amazing, Dr. Tony. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. I, um, you know, hope to get onto some more broadcasts. Hope to be part of it again. And uh, at some point, maybe the doctoring will get will stop getting in the way of the basketball watching. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's true. But you are saving lives, so we, we think that that's wonderful. Um, Gus, I, I I have to ask as we close out here. So, Doctor Tony, on your first podcast with the Screen the Screener, we have to ask you: Does Sindarius Thornwell screen? No, Mr. Randall. He screens the screener. Darn right he does. Dr. Tony, Gus Kearns, Mike Randall. We love college basketball. Screen the Screener podcast. Bell Jars coming in. Weekend games. Duke faithful. Krzyzewski message. Thornwell streaks over. We'll see ya.